The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. I think porn is a disgrace, and I used to watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was like 11. I was an advocate, and I, you know, thought I was one of the guys and would talk about it and think I was really cool for, for, for not having a problem with it and not seeing why it was bad. And, you know, I, uh, I think it really destroyed my brain. And um, I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. And it's because I thought that that's what I was supposed to be attracted to. And I just, I am, I'm so angry that porn is so loved. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. You know, I, I, I gotta applaud, that was Billie Eilish. I don't know if she's, I'm not sure you're familiar with her. She is um, an incredibly popular musical artist right now. Five-time Grammy winner. Um, she was won Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Pop Vocal. I mean, all, all sorts of things. Um, just uh, Album of the Year. Just, uh, just really a great uh, Best New Artist. Uh, and, and the list goes on. She probably has more than you know, I don't know how many awards she has. But at least five Grammys. I'm aware of. Uh, to see her going to Howard Stern, the Howard Stern show recently, and to say to Stern. That porn is a disgrace. Now, it got my attention. I'm like, well, bravo. But you heard what happened, right? She was 11 years old. 11 years old when she was exposed to this. And quite often, I, you know, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I think that it's a, you know, it's guys that will indulge in this, not women. But Billie Eilish is now, I got to change my perspective. I used to think it's it's male, male, men are very visual, right? So you'd think, okay. Pornography would have a greater impact or maybe even addictive nature on a man, but that's not the case. 11 years old, Billie Eilish looked at it, and she says it has messed with her brain, that it had it had a, you know, she, she calls it a disgrace. Uh, maybe it's had a similar effect on your life or in the life of someone you know. I know uh, I'm a friend today, he's much better, but uh, his addiction to pornography uh profoundly impacted him. He lost his business. He lost his marriage. He even lost his freedom uh, for a period of time. Uh, and it's a slippery slope. But um, yeah, my prayers to, to Billie Eilish. She, she's from LA. Uh, she's 19, by the way, 19 years old. And, uh, you know, somebody's now telling me that she's won seven Grammys. All right. So it's seven, seven Grammys. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Maggie. Two American Music Awards, one Guinness World Record, and three MTV Video Music Awards and two Brit Awards. She's 19. I mean, she's unbelievable and incredible talent. But if you ever saw her photos, you know, uh, you know, she's not. Uh, she she, she kind of dresses down, wears baggy clothes. Um, she has attitude like she doesn't really care about anything. She went on Howard Stern. And, you know, Stern has always been a big advocate of pornography and a lot of other stuff. If you're familiar with the show, and she revealed um, that she's been addicted. And I, and I want to underline that word addicted because porn is addictive. It's, it's a drug of really, it's a drug to the mind. Uh, it's, it's more addictive than cocaine. They say uh, more addictive than heroin. It's hard to get off it. It rewires the brain in a minute. You're going to hear from a couple that experienced pornography in the family and what it did to the husband, what it does physiologically to your brain. And this might be an eye-opener for you. You think, ah, it's just simply an emotional, psychological thing. No, it's not. It's a physiological 
thing as well. And you're going to learn about that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for, for Billy and I'll move off of her now. I just, she, she reaches such a large platform at 19 years of age. How many young kids right now are looking at it? And you take a look at the age of exposure for kids. With cell phones today, there are kids at 11 like her, maybe even younger, that are seeing their first pornographic image and what it does to their mind and what it does to perhaps their appetites moving forward uh, can have profound, profound impact. I, I guess I should put a quick disclaimer out here for you, too. You know, uh, the, this hour we're going to be talking about the challenge, the problems, the science of pornography. Um, if you've had a hard time with it, or maybe you have children, um, you you may just want to be aware, and um, I'll leave it up to you to handle that, okay? But uh, uh, there's a greater acceptance right now of porn going on in our culture. It has a way of desensitizing, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what happens when you start to engage in a sin or a deviant behavior or something that is is immoral. It might be wrong at first. You might know because we're wired for God and we're wired to do and be what is good and, and wholesome. Um, but sin and porn and you know other things have a way of just desensitizing you, having a way of making you feel like, eh, it's not so bad, right? It's not not that that bad. In fact, it's good. You, you go from realizing, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, to suddenly, hey, this is good. Think about how many people um, who have gone from, uh, you know, being in sexual relationships outside of marriage, knowing it was wrong, to suddenly moving in and living together and thinking there's nothing wrong with this. I'm showing my love to someone. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go through numbers. We've done this many times on the air, you know, of, of, of how bad it is and how young kids are. Those numbers are depressing. But there is a new study that was done by the Institute for Family Studies that, that I, I will address and I'll bring to you because this might be something you're going through right now. There are some marriage therapists who believe that couples who are having trouble in their sex lives, uh, they, they advocate porn. They actually say, you know, if you're having some, you know, spice things up. You should be watching some pornography together, right? So these 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 um, these marriage therapists say, yeah, they introduce pornography into the relationship. Uh, th- that's terrible advice. All right, now, I'll be very direct with you on this. Terrible device, uh, advice. The the study found that when couples do that, here's the data. It actually negatively impacts the quality of the relationship. So, yeah, oh, you're going to spice things up. This is going to be great. We're going to light that fire. We're going to, you know, mm-mm. it will have a negative impact in your relationships. The, the, also, the authors of this particular study asked a couple questions about porn and usage as well as the quality of the relationship. And they found that those who don't use porn at all, they have the highest relationship quality, even in their intimate lives. But the more porn is used, the lower those qualities go. So I just want to give you a cautionary tale. If you're thinking about doing that, you know, if you really value your relationship and, and, and your intimacy, stay away from one of the greatest deceptions uh, in our day, one of the greatest tools that the evil one uh, has, uh, has, has, you know, has used to set those snares and those traps for so many. We see marriage under attack. As I often quote Sister Lucia, the final battle will be over what marriage and family, right? And Satan has found an incredible weapon, you know, to destroy not just the family, but but marriages especially. I'm joined today by a couple who um, 
knows what you're going through if, if you're struggling with this. Um, they have founded an organization, and I want you to write this down. I want you to check it out, and I want you to get help, especially if you're having an issue personally. It's called Reclaim Sexual Health. Okay, ReclaimSexualHealth.com is a website. ReclaimSexualHealth.com. It's a great resource, and they approach this from a scientific perspective. There's been a lot of success coming out of this area, and it's just well worth reading some of the information that they have there. And I've invited back to the program, longtime friend of this program, and we've talked about this issue and a lot of others with uh, Bruce and Jeannie Hahnemann, and it's great to have them with me today. Bruce, Jeannie, welcome back. Thank you, Drew. Thank you very it's much, to be on Drew. Your show. Always good. So what do Thanks, you make? Drew, and happy Advent to you. Thank you, Bruce. I, I appreciate that. Um, maybe we should tell your story before we get into any of the, the data or stats here. Jeannie or Bruce, would you mind giving everyone a little bit of your background and and what you found with the how porn affected the relationship and ultimately the healing that's been found? So why don't you share your story? Okay. Well, Drew, I have, from childhood on, from very early age, around nine years old, I was attracted to pornography and it, uh, throughout my life, it affected my ability to relate to other people. Uh, it affected my view of what sexuality was. And I always had thought that, you know, well, this is something you just, you know, you do it because guys do it and then you leave it alone and then, and it goes away. Well, what I found out uh, over the years is that it doesn't just go away. Um, you can white knuckle, as we call it, where you can avoid it uh, for periods of time. But sooner or later, it uh, it becomes this nemesis that's just kind of lurking underneath the surface. And when conditions hit, whether it's stress or whatever it happens to be, it will eventually surface again. It's like the more you try not to think about it or the more you try to avoid it, your brain subconsciously keeps it right in the forefront and just keeps accelerating, accelerating until eventually you slip and go back into that behavior. Um, now, when Jeannie and I got married, we thought, okay, well, marriage will fix this because, sex, you know, pornography is sexuality and an intimate sexual relationship of marriage, all, all that's off the table. Well, it didn't work that way because pornography really isn't just about sexuality. And that's where we found out uh, something about the addictive nature of it and the chemistry of the brain of it. And eventually, um, even through using sacraments of the church and praying harder and going to spiritual direction, going to in-house treatment, nothing really licked it. It always was still resurfacing again, and it still it was devastating for our marriage, especially devastating to my wife, to Jeannie, um, to have this situation going on in our relationship. And the only way, or the way that we finally found a cure for this problem was to address the brain science part of it along with the emotional and spiritual side of it. And once we got into the brain science and I used the reclaim method for healing my brain, that's when we finally found, and I finally found the freedom from that particular addiction. Wow. And Jeannie, I know that uh, it had a profound impact on you. Bruce was the, the user at the time, um, what did it do to your marriage and how did it make you feel? Well, you know, as Bruce said, I knew that he struggled with pornography. He had shared that with me. I knew that before we were married. 
Um, but I naively thought that that was because he didn't have a wife to be intimate with and thought, surely when we could be sexually intimate, that wouldn't be something important in his life and he would stop. Well, that wasn't the case. And now we understand why it wasn't the case in the compulsiveness and the addictive nature of of the pornography use and masturbation. But what we began to do at three months into our marriage was therapy to try to find solutions and help. The trouble is kind of what you said you saw earlier is there are still many, many therapists out there who actually encourage the use of pornography and don't look at it as being detrimental. And that's why the study you cited I think is very important. But I can tell you I've worked in this field with with couples, with individuals who are struggling with this problem for decades now. And every one of them could come forward without needing that study and tell you that pornography desperately destroys what God's plan is for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so for us, what I found is that, you know, Bruce would, as he said, white knuckle it, work really hard, not be involved with that, and things would get better, things would feel better. But what would start to happen is he would re-engage in those unhealthy sexual behaviors and he wouldn't tell me about it right away. And when the Internet came, he got really caught up in Internet porn, which is another whole ugly animal out there that really causes a lot of severe kind of brain damage very quickly. And all I knew was something was really, really wrong with him. Something was really, really wrong in our relationship, but I didn't understand what it was. In fact, I thought we had reached a point of healing the issues related to pornography. When he disclosed, confessed to me what he was engaging in at that time, of course it was devastating and of course it caused betrayal trauma for me. But I have to tell you, Drew, something amazing that I've seen happen over and over and over. And that was there was this peace within me once he told me. And that peace was because now he wasn't holding a secret from me. And I think what the greatest evil of pornography usually is, is it causes this separation between a husband and wife because he is holding or she, depending on who's using the pornography, they're holding that secret from their spouse. And that breaks trust. Even if you don't know what's going on, there's this internal sense that something isn't right. And so many, many spouses will share with us that once they got over that initial anger, that initial trauma experience, there was a sense of peace because now they understood what the problem was. And once we understand the problem, we have a greater chance of being able to respond to that. Yeah, and that's what was so important in our own relationship. And we know uh, those who work with, with marriage enrichment, et cetera, we know that there are two main qualities that are required for sexual intimacy, for intimacy in general within a marriage, and that's authenticity and vulnerability. And if you have a secret within your marriage like pornography is, there's not authenticity happening. And if someone has been wounded by that betrayal trauma, it's very hard to be vulnerable again. And those are the two reasons that pornography hurts and damages marriages. My guests today, Jeannie and Bruce Hanneman, founders of uh, Reclaim, and we'll get you that website again. Let's take a quick call or two. If you want to join us, maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. Maybe you've been down this path. Maybe you need some advice. Um, we'd love to have you join us. 888-914-9149. We'll go to Maria, who's listening in New York. Maria, hi. You're on the air with Bruce and Jeannie. Hi. How are you? Um, I just wanted to call because um, I really feel that God was able to 
me help me confess the fact that my husband and I engaged in watching pornography and mm-hmm. without expecting it a confession I just said it and that's when I realized that it was wrong and that I would never do it again and I was able to uh, have my husband back you know support me in that but now that I have had a reconversion in my faith and I want to be pure I now struggle because I now do not have a clear understanding of what is acceptable under God's eye um, of what it's okay to do within my marriage and what is not because now it's tainted by that past. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I also used to watch uh, Howard Stern, listen to him, go to uh, see like uh, to strip clubs and so all that darkness that we had in our marriage at the beginning, I feel like I'm now paying the consequences because I have emotionally and physically kind of detached myself a bit from my husband, and it it, it affects him. It hurts him, yeah. and yeah. I want to please him, but at the same time, I want to please God, and I have a turmoil over that. Right. Well, That's I'd well like said. to respond by, first of all, thanking you for asking that question because that question's on the hearts of so many people who are moving out of an unhealthy sexual relationship, either in or out of marriage. And there's a struggle to understand what is acceptable and what is right and how to make sure that you're living the purity within your marriage that God wants you to. So thank you for asking that question. That's on the hearts of many people. And the first response we would say to you is that, yes, right now you've kind of, you went to confession, you received God's grace, stay in the state of grace, uh, keep going to confession frequently enough. But now how do you kind of do what we can refer to as a deep cleaning, a deep cleaning body, mind, spirit, soul, so that you can, in a way, purify your passions that were tainted, maybe some broken, um, something devastating happened to your passions that God desired for you to have for one another, and work on purifying those. And there's a, there's a process that we've developed for couples to work through that, to purify their passions so they can reach what God wants them to reach. And, and part of that is going back to actually your wedding day and looking at some questions that sometimes are asked during the ceremony that we don't even pay attention to because we're so focused on everything else. And so go in and look at the Catholic wedding ceremony, search it online, and you'll find it. And there are three questions that are asked by the priest right before you are asked to engage in giving your consent. And the first question is, have you entered this marriage without I can't even say the word now, coercion freely and wholeheartedly, meaning have you, are you doing this freely? Are you giving yourself freely? And so you need to be able to look at every act of intimacy that you're having and like wanting to know whether this particular act is good or, or, or bad or acceptable or not because pornography introduces a lot of very unhealthy sexual behaviors. And so for you to understand that if there is anything in your spirit that is telling you you're not comfortable with this, then you're not engaging freely in giving yourself in that experience. So you want to back off from that. And again, because this is on a radio show, we're not going to get explicit on some of those things, but I would invite you to contact us. If you go to reclaimsexualhealth.com, there's a place to contact and ask us questions, and we can get more personal and explicit during that. 
But you you want to make sure that this is something you are freely doing, that your spirit is also saying this is acceptable. The next question that you're asked is, you know, in marriage, will you love and honor each other as as long as you both shall live? Well, that means giving yourself fully and faithfully so that by fully it means including your fertility so that you're not using contraception and that you're really being faithful to one another. You're not thinking about someone else or thinking about a movie or thinking about any other people or, or places or things when you're being intimate with your spouse. And the third question, again, is, is back to being, you know, are you going to lovingly accept children from God? And so making sure that your intimacy is also open to new life if you're able to and, and are of the age bracket to do that. That's so key. And sometimes we forget that. And so, um, again, you know, contact us. We are actually opened up now where we are doing private direct retreats with couples so that we can help them with some of their specifics as well. So just go to reclaimsexualhealth.com. Maria, thank you for sharing so openly and so beautifully. And your heart's in the right place. You know, you want to serve God first. And, you know, your marriage is a pathway to to holiness and your marriage is a pathway to eternity and your husband and are in that together so take her advice and go ahead and do that there's a grace that comes with that sacrament too so call upon it and um, you know get the help maybe providential today that you've uh, you heard Jeannie I, they've got a great resource uh, Jeannie I, I want to talk if we could briefly I, I'm, I'm engaged I'm struck by Billie Eilish who you know has all the money she could want she's 19 years old but became addicted to pornography um, when she was just 11 years old. She was exposed to it. Let me take a break. When we come back, I, I want to talk about women because uh, quite often I, I said I was always under the impression or belief that this was a male-dominated problem. But it doesn't seem to be the case anymore. We'll talk about that. We'll take more of your calls, too. John in California, I know you're on deck. Can't wait to hear from you. And if you want to get in on the conversation, it's 888 9149 taking a look at the impact of pornography on couples and their relationship there's new data out and uh just bringing up to speed on it stay with us our conversation continues right after this catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line for information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Isn't it lovely? All alone, heart made of glass, my mind of stone. Tell me the pieces, skin of bone. That's uh, singer Billie Eilish, uh, seven-time Grammy Award winner. And so just, just an incredible new phenom in the town talent only 19 years old she went on Howard Stern just recently a couple days ago and she was very open and I, you have to commend her for it she struggled with her porn addiction since childhood and she said it destroyed my brain and, and that's what struck me when she said it destroyed my brain and I'm speaking today with Jeannie and Bruce Hahnemann from Reclaim Sexual Health and you can check their website out I, there's a whole brain science to this and I do want to get into some of um of the what happens physiologically to your brain, not just to your mind and your intellect and to your heart, but what happens physically. Uh, her interview was heartbreaking with Stern, and she admitted that she had become addicted to pornography since she was 11 years old. And she said as a result of the early exposure, it damaged her ability to form healthy you know, relationships. And then she started watching porn 
um, and didn't understand why it was a bad thing, you know? And, and she says, uh, you know, that uh, she was watching some very violent and I, I won't get into some of the stuff that she said, but bottom line is it negatively impacted her uh, on a, a number of different levels. And uh, she has come out with a total reverse and is really upset with the deception of pornography and what it has has done, not just to her, but what it's doing to so many other people. And yet today it is being championed as a good. In fact, some marriage counselors are even suggesting that people have it. But I was saying earlier that I was struck because I pornography would be fundamentally a, a male dominated um, type of addiction or, or, or venue since men are so visual. But, you know, there's data out there. There was a couple studies that were done, oh, a couple of years ago. I forget the actual year. And, and they are showing how the number of women who are now engaging in pornography is on the increase. Um, uh, women used to be offended by porn. Maybe they still are. Um, but they're beginning to see now that attitudes, even amongst women, are changing uh, as a result of this. And my guests today are experts in this area. If you need help. Uh, they can certainly give you the guidance, the instruction, and the uh, information you need. Jeannie and Bruce, I want to pick up on this point, though. Billie Eilish talked about how it damaged her brain. Brain science is one thing we can talk about. But before we do, uh, I would still argue or think that this has got to be a fundamentally male-dominated problem and issue. Where, where, What are the stats? What's the data? Where, where are women in all this? And why are those numbers on the increase? Well, Drew, I think what's really important for us to understand is that this isn't just a male problem. This is a problem for females as well. And um, we can talk about it being, you know, the pornography piece, but let's get honest. It's really that M word, right? You know, it's, it's the act of masturbation. And both men and women are very much going to masturbation uh, as a type of numbing out from some of the emotions and the situations they're dealing with. And in just a little while, I'd ask Bruce if he can talk about the damage to the autonomic nervous system from adverse childhood experiences, and that's on the rise and what we're seeing. But I'd like to put it in even a bigger framework for us, and that is to understand that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. God is relational, therefore we are created to be relational, and there's two aspects to that. One, we really have this great need and desire put in us by God to be truly known, and that's being authentic with others and having others authentically know us, warts and all, good, bad, and the ugly, and still being loved. The second piece is being deeply loved, and when we're deeply loved, we're allowed to be vulnerable. Now, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, fallen man has this primordial fear of inadequacy. And fallen woman has a primordial fear of abandonment. So fallen man in his inadequacy wants to be dominating or sometimes the opposite passive is the result. And porn allows him to do that, okay? Both dominating or passive, depending on the type of pornography that he might be watching. Now fallen woman in her aloneness becomes controlling or needy. And the type of porn, or whether that be actual pornographic images or videos, or if it be pornographic literature that she might be reading stories of, they're always looking for the controlling or the needy to be filled. 
And if we look at that, we're struggling as a culture with what's called social capital. And that means that most of us no longer live in a supportive community with our, you know, maybe extended birth families or childhood friends close at hand. You know, we're working longer and longer hours. We commute farther and farther distances. And we have fewer and fewer opportunities to develop those really close relationships where we can be truly known and deeply loved. And so if we can't be authentic, we can't be vulnerable, we have all kinds of problems being intimate with another human being who's struggling with authenticity and vulnerability. And so the fantasy world becomes where we go. And if you look at at this artist you talked to, Billy, you know, she's 19, she's off on the road. I mean, who does she have to really confide in, to turn to? So I can very well understand how she would fall into that realm of pornography and all that it entails to kind of be what what we call um, a very reliable on self and on godly self-reliance to fulfill those needs that really are the needs of connection, the needs of community that we're not experiencing. You know, and so we understand right now by the science of attachment that, you know, there is this covenant of love that science is now setting out as as vital and necessary. And in what it's, we know specifically in the Catholic Church, it's what God has intended all along. And if it doesn't start in childhood with that ability to be authentic and vulnerable, it's going to show its ugly head later in life. So, Bruce, you want to maybe share a little of that science? Yeah, very quickly. And the, the reason that men and women both are struggling with this is maybe they're struggling with a different type or a different genre or a different expression of the pornography use, but it still comes back to the same thing. They are numbing out these past experiences that Jeannie just referred to. Um, We have an autonomic nervous system. It's a nervous system that regulates how we respond to threats and things coming from our outside. Now, that system is very vulnerable and very informative stages when we are young and so many people, so many young children um, and adults now that you know grew up have been wounded in their autonomic nervous system, its response, because they have been not authentically loved or they've not been allowed to be vulnerable. And when the autonomic, when the autonomic nervous system becomes damaged, it becomes uh, a, a automatic response to soothe yourself, to try to be self-seeking, to try to be self-soothing. And that damage, you know, can occur at any point in life, but it occurs especially in younger minds and younger brains because they're they're the most vulnerable. And unless we can re-engage our social brain and our cognitive brain, our our frontal cortex, um, that system that operates underneath subconsciously is just going to be, you know, taking over the way that we respond and the way that we uh, relate to other people. And what makes it, what accents that, accents that is the fact that the more that we use pornography, the more that we allow that subconscious level of brain activity to grow. It like grows a grand canyon of responses that are under the surface that pretty much takes our ability to be moral and logical and reasonable and loving and caring. It pretty much takes that right offline. And if we want to look at what would be the best way to prevent these problems of pornography, um, when I talk to parents, a phone call I had today from a mother who's 16-year-old is caught up in this, and what can we provide, what can we do from very early on? There's three things, provide very strong nurturing, soothing, and protecting. 
And the same thing occurs within a marriage relationship. People say, what is the secret? How did Bruce and I stay together through that? And, you know, if I look at it, I look at the three things that, that we continued to have for each other in spite of the problems that occurred is we were nurturing to each other, we provided ways to be soothing to each other and ways to protect each other. You know, out there you see all these, you know, marriage, you know, enrichment programs that focus on how can you argue better, how can you have better romantic gestures and what, you know, even new sexual positions or communicate better. Actually, if we just focus on nurturing, soothing, and protecting, it's what our brains, bodies, minds, and spirits were designed to need. And so if you look at someone like a a young artist like this Billy is, you know, she's probably off on the road and uh, probably has a lot of agents and a lot of people telling her what to do. And what is that primordial fear coming out of her is to be dominated or to be abandoned. So she's away from her family and her friends. What kind of a primordial shame does she have? I'm undesirable. So even someone who can be a rock star or whatever, they if you talk to them why they might get caught up in alcohol, drugs, or sex, or other things to numb themselves out, they have that basic deep loneliness that makes them feel undesirable. Lots of people cheering them when they're singing or whatever they're doing. But in the background, they're very lonely and very sad, and they don't have that community. You know, our grandparents all had, you know, basically a whole community to turn to and to support one another. And right now I look at young couples today, and they have each other, and that's not enough. We need to have a community of people supporting us. Let's take a few phone calls. I only have a few moments with my guests today, so if you want to get in, you've got a question, you're struggling with this, you've got a story to share, Feel free to dial in, 888-914-9149. John is listening in California. John, thank you for waiting so long. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, I'm I'm in my um, elderly uh, years. I'm uh, in 79, and I was addicted to uh, what what they call porn today on the Internet, but it was not available because I, we didn't have Internet back then. Um, so I... Uh, uh, there were peep shows and, uh, you know, Penthouse and Playboy and all of that. And it, it uh, like uh, uh, like the uh, rock star said, it, it really destroyed my brain. It took me um, uh, from uh, being, um, um, you know, a wholesome person. I had studied <clears throat> in the seminary to be a priest uh, from a wholesome person, and I left the priesthood, uh, but... Um, I uh, to uh, to an addiction that was by far beyond what I could handle, um, and it uh, changed my morals completely. And um, I could have gotten into probably more trouble eventually if I had a. But uh, what I'm what I wanted to ask you is: Do you think that the LGB movement is is fueled by porn mostly? in this country right now, their, their, their push right now? That's a great question. I absolutely Hello? do myself um, from the stand, for a different variety of different reasons. Um, but one of those being that studies have shown that when people are using pornography, you're, they've, they've done all kinds of these studies that show that their eyes are actually looking at the same sex as they are. So that means if a man is looking 
at a video with a couple engaged in different sexual activities, he's watching the man. And the woman watching this is watching the woman. And you say, that doesn't make any sense. Well, we're also conditioned, you know, to, to um, you know, be the best in the, in the jungle or whatever it is. We're, we're conditioned to, to kind of check out our competition, right? And so in that process, what happens is there's a lot of sexual energy that's coming off of that watching of that pornography, but they're focused on the same sex. And so there's a real strong indication that that's part of what's causing such so many people to be pulled into same-sex attraction, even if they may have been heterosexual before, once they get into pornography more, they might begin to have these, these homosexual tendencies at that point. So I think it, it's part of that. Um, it's also part of this culture that's struggling with, as we said, the nurturing, the soothing, and the protecting. And so they're looking for it somewhere, and they look for it everywhere. Bruce, your thoughts? I think that that's, uh, that's definitely true. I also think that part of it is relating to the fact that there, the confusion, that the gender the confusion and things that are going on nowadays are because we have lost, through all of this, the definition and the identity of what true maleness is, what true femaleness is, those lines have become blurred partially because of the way they're depicted in society and the way they're depicted in pornography and in, you know, advertising and whatever else. Um, there's no clear delineation anymore. And even in, in attempts to delineate male from female, they do things like run commercials where the woman is making her husband look like the stupid one in the relationship and, and all these different kinds of things are mixed messages that we're giving out to people today on what it means to be truly authentically male or female. Yep. I no, had to well, say yeah. what I believe is the greatest poverty right now in our culture, in our world. It's a poverty of understanding masculinity and femininity. Hmm. Well, you're right. Well, you're absolutely right. A lot of confusion. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeannie Bruce, hang on one second. I have to take my final break here. When we come back, we'll take your final calls, too. If you want to join us, it's 888 Maybe your spouse is going through this. Love to hear your story, too. I mean, how has pornography affected your relationship? We'll keep you anonymous if you want to do that, too. Um, did you see the effect of it on the relationship? And how did you ultimately find healing or at least rise above? Maybe you didn't. Maybe it was the end of your relationship. Love to hear from you. And we'll take your calls and questions. And our conversation will continue. Hi, Drew Mariani here. Hey, I am traveling to the Holy Land in February with our underwriting sponsor, Nativity Pilgrimage. Information is available at relevantradio.com slash Holy Land. That's relevantradio.com slash Holy Land. This is the key. When we talk about porn and we talk about the theology of our bodies, John Paul II says that the Sistine Chapel is the shrine or the sanctuary of the theology of the human body. That's nude art, right? We have a lot, a lot of Michelangelo's depictions of the human body are, yeah. are nudes. And here John Paul II says, this is holy, this is sacred. This is a sanctuary of the theology of the body. And you go out into the streets in Rome and you see billboards of naked people, but there's a big difference. Right? There's a big difference. One, John Paul II says, is helping us to appreciate the dignity of the person. And the other is teaching us, forming us, pulling us in a direction to use the person 
as a thing for a selfish end. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, it's so well said, huh? Hey, Maggie, who was that again? That was, uh, was that Chris Everett? Uh, Christopher West, yeah, Christopher West, right on the money. Hey, I'm approaching the twilight of the show, as I'd like to say. We only have a few minutes left. If you want to get in, we'd love to talk to you. We're joined by uh, Bruce and Jeannie Hahnemann today, and we're taking a look at, uh, well, the impact of porn on couples. There was a study that came out uh, addressing the the issue, and, uh, of course, Billie Eilish making headlines on Howard Stern just a couple of days ago talking about how pornography really destroyed her brain. And uh, before we take any calls, uh, Bruce, Jeannie, I, I really want to talk about help. I mean, what's the solution? It's easy to look at the numbers. I can give you a bunch of stats and data on how pervasive this is and what it can do. I can share stories of people that I know. But fundamentally, um, I, I want anyone that's in the middle of this right now and says, I, I just can't, it's too powerful. I can't, I can't not look or I cannot engage or, you know, my husband and I enjoy this or whatever the dialogue is to know that there, there are new beginnings. There is healing and believe it or not, you can find freedom from all of this. So uh, Jeannie Bruce, I'll let you pick it up. I mean, what are the programs that are out there? What strategies can be used? How, how can people find that freedom they're looking for? Well, those who are struggling with unhealthy sexual behavior, male or female, can go to reclaimsexualhealth.com. And the beauty of what they're going to get is this program, you know, is, is 100% following Catholic teaching. We have an imprimatur for it. And it's also highly um, constructed of breaking science information, breaking new science information on how to retrain the brain. Almost every other, you know, attempt out there to stop this focuses on restraining yourself and restraining is never going to be able to last. You have to retrain yourself. So that's the beauty of what ReclaimSexualHealth.com, that program can offer for you. But I'd also want to share that in the marital relationship, specifically what we're talking about today, is that we have to know that the struggling individual needs the healing that, that is required for them to get out of that unhealthy sexual behavior. But the spouse is also struggling with betrayal trauma at a level that most people have no clue exists. I mean, it is detrimental to the very core of that person. And so we've just launched a, a, a new program under Reclaim Sexual Health called Navigate Betrayal. So navigatebetrayal.com. And this first version that's out right now is for wives. And when we're done with getting all of this together and having it up and running, we'll start a new one for Navigate Betrayal for husbands. But this is navigatebetrayal.com for wives. So I'd encourage any wife who's out there whose husband is engaging in unhealthy sexual behavior like this to get that kind of help and support that you're going to get from our experts and from other wives who've been there and who know that kind of trauma, that kind of pain. But then you also need to have the marriage healed itself. And so that's a, a third component that has to be there. And Drew, I'd say what, what Billy opened with that you shared, that porn is a disgrace. When I listened to that, I immediately, you know, quick did a Google, Google on what is the nuptial blessing that happens during a wedding. And it's, this is part of the prayer. Send down on them the grace of the Holy Spirit and pour your, heart, your love into their hearts that they may remain faithful in the marriage covenant. May her husband entrust his heart to her so that acknowledging her as his equal and his joint heir to the life of grace, he may show her due honor and cherish her always with the love that Christ has for his church. This is powerful. This is powerful prayer. And sometimes we don't even hear the prayers that's being said over us. 
to go find that online and as a couple pray that over and over and over and seek that blessing from the Holy Spirit because Billy's right, porn is a disgrace, but God wants to pour grace into each of you and into your marriage. Yeah, you know, you also have to realize that you're human and you're going to fall. If somebody falls, they can get up and start again. And I often try to give the advice that um, the sacrament of reconciliation is such an important uh, place to go because you do receive grace in that sacrament that will help you to rise above habitual sin. And I would encourage anyone who's listening now and saying, gosh, I haven't gone. It's too embarrassing. I don't want to confess this or I know I'm just going to do it again. Um, you will encounter Christ in that sacrament of mercy. And I cannot advocate for it strong enough. I think you'll find great, great healing there too. Uh, Bruce, Jean, I'm grateful for your time and for, for all that, that you do here. Um, in, in terms of spirituality, is there a difference? Uh, people who frequently, like for example, I'm looking at this as a Catholic, people who get to the sacraments and, and you know how, use the sacraments to fortify them in this battle. What have you found in, in, in your ministry there? What we found, Drew, is that it's it's vitally important to, to use every sacramental opportunity that's available. Um, it gives you the chance, especially with the, the sacrament of reconciliation, gives you, as you said, the chance to receive that grace. But it also gives you a chance to do a really thorough examination of conscience and see what is actively going on within your behaviors and your mind. And since retraining the brain requires practice and diligence, what better way could you practice and be diligent than to continually go through examinations of conscious and bringing all of these things forward and then bringing them to Christ and letting him heal them? You know, and Drew, I also want to suggest to people to actually approach their, their priest and ask for the anointing of the sick, because this is a very sick um, experience to be caught up in pornography. Um, it, it's detrimental physically. You know, your, your previous caller talked about how he couldn't do any more moral reasoning. Well, we know the prefrontal cortex is damaged and you can't do moral reasoning. So there is a physical sickness that occurs with this along with the emotional and the spiritual ones. So, so don't forget to get the anointing of the sick as well. Yeah, we were both speaking at an event one time. Uh, you and, and Bruce gave mm-hmm. a presentation. I think we were in Chicago together. Mm-hmm. And what I found striking about your presentation, I, I think it was a, I think it was a graphic or something you had put up on PowerPoint or whatever it might have been. But the actual brain you claim gets transformed. I mean, it, there's it actually gets riddled with holes. Am I correct in that, or am I recalling that incorrectly? No, you're you're recalling it correctly. Uh, what that was was an. Uh, MRI of the brain, functional MRI, showing which areas uh, had active blood flow and which areas had literally just withered away and stopped working. And what you were describing as a whole, so were the portions of the brain where there no longer was any active brain cells. The, the blood flow was gone, the temperature had gone down, whatever their cold spots. And those uh, on those images that we showed, they showed a porn-addicted brain and showed the frontal cortex of the brain was where the most of that damage had occurred. So in other words, the logic, the reasoning, the the moral judgments and whatever, that was a portion of the brain that was the least active. And at the same time, there were, there were hot spots in the portions of the brain that are, that are dedicated to fantasy and um, those kinds of things. One of the amazing things is also to reach out for sacramentals. 
because in some studies that were done, um, they were able to pray the rosary and they saw the blood flow by putting back into the functional MRI and they saw that the blood flow was starting to fill in on the prefrontal cortex. Jeannie, that's such a great point. I was thinking of that when Bruce was talking about the MRI. They also studied the effects of prayer you know, on the brain. Mm-hmm. And, and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. The, the people who prayed the rosary saw that transformation yeah. uh, in the brain there. Yeah, that's fascinating science. I mean, to me, it's, it's stuff no one ever hears. And, you know, I, I know as a, an adult, if you're seeing pornography for the first time or a you know, young college student, but when you're 11 years old or nine years old, I just wonder what that does to a kid's brain who's in the process of developing. So, Lots of healing there. Hey, um, I want to thank you both for, for being here. The best way to connect that people want to get a hold of you, reclaimsexualhealth.com, is, is that the best way to connect? That's Absolutely. correct. And if they want to go directly to navigatebetrayal.com for wives, then you can go there. But you also can connect from reclaimsexualhealth.com. Navigatebetrayal.com. Yeah, right? Navigatebetrayal.com. <laughs> I don't have time for calls, do I, or do I? I sneak one last one in or drive enough time? No? Or yes? <laughs> Let me try Mary. Mary in New Jersey, you got to make it quick. Good afternoon. Yes, um, uh, just a, a, uh, an alert for all the people that does happen in your marriage. And that when it happened to me, uh, to actually with my husband, I, I flew off the handle when I saw it on his iPhone. And I just took the iPhone and smashed it. And it was just the wrong thing to do. Put a wedge in our marriage, never healed. And he is now gone, and there's nothing I can do about that. Oh, I'm sorry. And you're that. going to need more healing, I'm sure, yourself. So please connect with us um, because you're still dealing with some of the trauma from that, I am sure. And your reaction of smashing the phone and getting angry, that's a normal protective behavior because of the trauma that that caused you. So um, connect with us off, off air here, and we'll do what we can to help support you. My gratitude to both Bruce and Jeannie for being here. You can check them out. They're the co-founders of Reclaim Sexual Health. They're helping a lot of people. And Jeannie, one final time, that uh, other website, what was it? Navigatebetrayal.com. Navigatebetrayal.com. All right. Hey, thank you for being here. I'm out of time for the day. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. I'll be back again tomorrow.